Hello and welcome to Stories of Scotland, a surprisingly well-researched look at the strangest parts of Scottish history. I'm Annie. And I'm Jenny. And this week we're going to the far north coast of Scotland, to one of the most incredible caves in all of the British Isles. It's the one and only Smoo Cave. Smoo Cave derives its name from the Old Norse for hiding hole, smugger. But the only thing that Smoo Cave is smuggling is some very thrilling geology and surreal heritage really bulging out of its caverns. <laughs> well, yes, Smoo Cave is a really awesome cave. It has a special place in my heart because it was one of the first places I visited when I returned to live in the Highlands as an adult. And I went on a road trip with my mum and we visited a lot of exciting sites around the North Coast 500. But Smoo Cave really left an impression on me. It, I think it's so strange that you say that, Annie, because I have almost the exact same story. You also visited Smoo Cave with my mum? <laughs> no, I wish I had her as a tour guide. But no, I was actually, I was alone. But I spent um, my university years in America basically just bigging up to everyone how great Scotland was. But the more I said it, the more I realised that I actually hadn't seen that much of Scotland. I just knew that it was meant to be beautiful. So when I returned to live here as well, the first thing I did was hop in my car and go and explore the north of the country. And I remember I found my favourite camping spot in the whole of the country still to this day, a couple of coves along from Smoo Cave. And the next morning, after a wonderful night under the stars, I went down really early to the cave and explored them by myself in the quiet mid-morning silence. It was stunning and truly beautiful, and I have never forgotten it. But your mum wasn't there, so... Yeah. She's really good at pointing at rocks and saying, that's a good rock. Mm, sounds like we get along. <laughs> really? You would. But we weren't the first people to visit this cave, Jenny. <laughs> what, Jenny? <Annie? laughs> because archaeologists have found evidence of Neolithic people living in this cave up to 5,000 years ago. Oh, wow. They've also found evidence that a few thousand years after this, Vikings would stop by seasonally and use the cave for fixing fishing nets and boats, utilising its deep chamber for protection from the rough sea and wild weather up there. Which is why Smoo Cave has this wonderful Norse name, which is really common along the northern coasts and islands of Scotland. And then, of course, after the Vikings came the smugglers, who used this cave to hide illicit whiskey and goodness knows what else, Annie. Excellent. So we've got a cave that was used for hiding both Vikings and whiskey. But let's find out what else Smoo Cave has hidden in it. Is it bats? Lots and lots of bats. I'll be honest with you, Annie, for a good while now, I have been dreaming about living in a cave. And while that is half a joke, I also just watched the Brexit film on Netflix with Benedict Caverdoodle. And honestly, <laughs> by the end of it, I just wanted to crawl into a cave and not come out for, for years, maybe four whole years. Who knows how long I've been there. Mm, I could actually see you as a cave girl, Jenny, <laughs> especially with the mess you've made in the garage. I think it would suit me, right? Yes, the feralness would really bring out your eyes. Oh, thank you, Annie. Oh. <laughs> I really think the desk job has smushed it back in. <laughs> but I was thinking, right, if I were to do this, what kind of cave would I want to live in? Um, so I ran through the caves that I knew in Scotland, and the first one was King's Cave on Arran, and then I was like, nah, man, way too patriarchal. And then I was like, okay, what about Fingal's Cave on the wee island of Staffa? And I was like, nah, 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 too inaccessible. 
So then my last one, I was like, Smoo Cave. Of course, it's perfect. It's perfect. This cave is like my dream get away from the whole wide world while still being within walking distance to a high-end chocolate shop cave. <laughs> <laughs> but hear me out, right? What is the first thing you consider when you're looking for a new place to live? The location? Exactly. Let me tell you about this cave. It hits the spot. Smoo Cave sits on the northern coast of Scotland, seemingly isolated, but actually only a few miles from the most northwesterly settlement in all of Scotland, the wonderful little village of Durness, where I had one of the strangest stand-up gigs of my entire life in a chocolate shop. Why was it so strange, Jenny? Uh, Because it turns out that the night our gig was on was also the one night every three months that the mobile cinema comes to town. So it's like a truck with a cinema in it. And so nobody came. Everyone went and saw the new James Bond film instead of instead of our jokes, which (laughs) which was actually fine because we got paid in chocolate. So (laughs) you should have taken the chocolate and hopped it to the cinema truck. That would have been a great night. We really could have doubled up the the fun. (laughs) But it all worked out in the end. I would rather get chocolate over laughs any day of the week. (laughs) So for living in the cave, you know, the amenities are there. You've got yourself a cinema. The social aspect is there. But also, the cave is removed from the town, so there is that added level of privacy from your neighbours that everyone, you know, really craves these days. The cave has a fantastic view from the front room as well, looking out onto the stunning North Atlantic with nothing but the Faroe Islands between you and Greenland. The front room? Yeah, yeah, this fantastic spacious front room stretches back a whopping 200 metres and has a dark rugged, mysterious character to it, (laughs) as well as a 15 metre high and 40 metre wide opening on one side to really balance out that dark, somewhat damp interior. Wow, it's like it has a mouth of a whale. (laughs) But what about insulation? Well, Annie, as the old cave estate agent saying goes, it's easier to insulate yourself than the cave. (laughs) Is that what they say? (laughs) Oh, Annie, it goes way back to the Mesolithic. (laughs) As you move into the cave, you'll find a small pathway to the right that leads into two smaller chambers. In the first of these is a fantastic water feature that doubles up as a skylight. If we jump back up to the surface above the cliffs for a second and picture the Altsmoo Burn, a small river just going with the flow along the surface quite happily, until its path is blocked by changing geology. And all of a sudden, the easiest place for it to flow is straight down into the cave through a huge hole in the ground. This creates a 25 metre tall waterfall cascading right down into your living room from above. Wow, it sounds dreamy, but damp. Well, not as dreamy and damp as the bedroom chamber. Let me guess, there's a four-poster boat. (laughs) Uh, Don't be ridiculous, Annie. This is a cave, not a castle. Uh, The final chamber is only accessible by boat, and once inside it, you can keep on walking on foot through slim and slimy passages to the furthest region of the cave, where evidence of previous owners has been found. Ah, so you mean the Neolithic occupants who lived there 5,000 years ago? Yes, well, it has been empty for a while, but with a little bit of love here and a lot of effort there, it'll be just about inhabitable. 
Also, extensions to the property are very possible as there is an ongoing effort to try and clear hundreds of pounds of sump material from the depths of one of the chambers in the hopes that it opens up into another room for the whole cave family to enjoy. Wow, Jenny. To be honest, it's almost like you're trying to get me to move into this cave rather than you. I have been considering turning your room in the house into a home gym since lockdown began, so, you know... It's an option, Annie, if you're if you're feeling the vibes of the cave life. Try not to be offended, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> but just in case people aren't convinced by your sales pitch, here's one that I found from 1840, published in the wonderful John O'Groat Journal. Between a range of high craggy hills and bold sea coast, before reaching Durness, passes directly over the Cave of Smoo. One of the most wonderful natural curiosities I ever witnessed. In the face of the perpendicular rock, terminating a ravine, and within twenty yards of which the tide approaches, the capacious exterior of Smoo Cave opens. The roof is an immense consolidated mass and resembles the arch inside a huge cathedral aisle. A stream issues on the west side of the cave beneath a mass of rock and above which a yawning gap of about seven feet forms an entrance to the inner cavern. Its aspect is awful and somewhat repulsive and reminds one of the words of the poet. Who shall tempt with wandering feet the dark unbottomed infinite abyss or through the palpable obscure find out his uncouth way. The gloom of the place and the roaring noise of the waterfall reverberating within are certainly calculated to daunt the individual enterprise in attempting to penetrate its mysteries and animate men to any deed, however daring. Its horrors have been explored as far as possible. A subterranean lake seen by torchlight only is formed beyond the opening. This is supplied by a rivulet, which, disappearing through an aperture in the surface of the earth, dashes down the side of a terrific gulf. Wow, Jenny. So he's quoting Paradise Lost about Smoke Cave. <laughs> so there's absolutely no way I'm moving out. All right, well, I happen to think it's more Paradise Found, so I'm putting my deposit down as soon as this lockdown malarkey is over. What's the deposit? I don't know, half a bag of chips and three Invernesian seagulls. It would have been a whole bag of chips, but on the way there, the seagulls ate. (laughs) (laughs) Another reason, Annie, that I love Smooth Cave is its fascinating formation and geology. I knew it wasn't just this close proximity to the chocolate shop, Jenny. You've got so many layers. Well, actually, chocolate is, to be fair, the easiest way to my heart, yes. But I'm also a sucker for a love story. And that's exactly what the formation of Smoo Cave is. A love story of two very different weathering processes coming together to wage an elemental war and work in unison to create the largest coastline cave in the British Isles. Okay, Jenny, let's see how you pull this one off. (laughs) Well, okay, settle in. Our first cave cross lover is the handsome but somewhat simple process of mechanical erosion. 
This is the physical slap slap slapping of the North Sea waves being blown against the cliff face. Over thousands of years, certain exposed areas in the cliff face become weakened from this persistent wind-driven battering of mechanical erosion. And as the rock slowly crumbles, a coastal cave begins to form. This is how the huge opening of Smoo Cave was formed. And actually, it used to be even deeper and larger, but the front 600 metres became so wide that it could no longer support the roof of the cave and it all collapsed in on itself, leaving this amazing 600 metre long tidal gorge leading to the ocean. That's some incredible erosional power. Mm -hmm. But what about our second cave-crossed lover, as you say, Jenny? (laughs) Well, this is the more complex and mysterious of the two. It's chemical erosion. The land surrounding Smoo Cave is composed of a sedimentary rock called dolomite. Dolomite is similar to limestone in that, due to the calcite in the rock, it can be very easily eroded by slightly acidic water, which gradually breaks it down. As rainwater falls and runs through the soil, it picks up carbon and becomes a very, very weak carbonic acid. Now, this doesn't do any damage to you or I if I were to drink it, but for the rock, it can be very different. And in the right conditions, this quiet chemical process can end up creating phenomenal cave systems that can be miles long and reach incredibly deep under the surface of the earth. Okay, so why isn't the whole coastline covered in caves like Smoo Cave? Well, there are smaller caves dotted along the coast, but the reason that Smoo Cave is so big is that it sits on the boundary of two different types of dolomite rock, and this forms a weak point in the geology and makes the area very susceptible to both our mechanical erosion and our physical erosion. Well, if you believe in fate when it comes to matters of rocks falling in love... (laughs) It's like these two processes were predestined to fall for each other right here in this special place. Oh yes, Annie, and I do believe in it. For this is the battleground between elements. For the wind drives the waves, and the rain drives the freshwater streams, and it is the immovable earth holding them apart. It's just so beautiful. Slowly, but oh so persistently, each lover has tirelessly fought its way to the other. The mechanical process has been forming a cave from the outside in, while the physical process has been forming the cave from the inside out, calling to each other for thousands of years with a determination so strong that not even solid rock could keep them apart. And eventually, all their hard work paid off and they reached out their hands to one another and were finally united. The two back chambers of the cave joined with the large front chamber to create the child of their love, this huge cave system that we know and love today as Smoo Cave. Wow. (laughs) So the two emotional processes found each other, and through their love, (laughs) Smoo Cave was formed. Boom. Pulled it off right there, didn't I? Weren't you engrossed (laughs) in that? (laughs) But this, to be fair, is a really rare love. It is the only cave in the UK formed by two separate erosional forces rather than one. So if that's not the foundations for the next great classic, then I don't know what is. It can be called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. (laughs) Or um, Gone with the Wind and Rain. (laughs) Stonio and Jewel yet. (laughs) 
So one of the threads we've been teasing at when we were hunting for stories of Smoo Cave was that of a dastardly and evil outlaw named Duncan McMurdo. Or maybe his name was Donald McMorrich, because we've seen him called this too. Yes, also seen him as Donald McMurdoch. He's so devious that even history can't decide on his name. One writer even simply referred to him as Mac. Mac, I like it. Nice and clean, you know? But being an outlaw, he probably had many names. You know, Donald McSneaky Sneak, Duncan McSticky Fingers. <laughs> Stop there, Jenny. So what would your outlaw name be? Uh, Jenny McDark Cloak. And mine? Annie McRumbled Again. Oh, it wasn't me. It was old KV McFerrell eyes over there. <laughs> sure, sure. I always get blamed for everything. <laughs> anyway, we know Donald McMurdoch from his grave at Balnakeel Graveyard, where he is buried with the inscription, Donald McMurdoch, here lies low, was ill to his friend, worse to his foe, true to his master, in wealth and woe. 1623. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, little voice from the past. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> when do I get paid? <laughs> So if he died in 1623, then we can fairly assume that he was born at the end of the 1500s. Now, it's said that Donald McMurdoch was actually buried inside the church wall at his own direction because upon his deathbed, an old woman came up to him and said, I will soon have the pleasure of dancing on your grave. (laughs) Wait a minute, sorry. This is awful. How does someone get to the place in life where a wee old woman wants to dance on his grave and tells him that before he's even dead? Well, you see, Donald McMurdoch was a bad man. Oh, you don't say. (laughs) In various histories and accounts, he's a pirate, a murderer, a freebooter and a poacher. On his grave, we see a wee grotesque carving of a man shooting a big stag with an arrow. And then it's actually from a collection of poaching folklore from the early 1800s that we get this account of him. Donald McCurry McEin Moore, who lived at Hope, was a very noted poacher in Sutherland. Numerous anecdotes are told of this man, but they refer to the great enormities he was in the habit of committing than to his lighter trespasses amongst the deer. His acts of violence and injustice were so unusual and savage as to render him an object of universal abhorrence. He was an expert archer, so ruthless a villain and so ready to slay any one that offended him, and indeed every one he could attack with a friend or foe, that at a period when the law was quite inoperative in remote corners of the highlands, He became the terror of the entire country. Right, so this account of Donald McMurdoch has him start on his trail of nasty evils by murdering his nephew to inherit his land. His nephew, when attacked by him, took refuge in a straw-covered hut in an island on the inland loch. But McMurdoch tied burning pitch and tow to the head of an arrow and firing it into the roof set the place in flames. The young man endeavoured to escape by swimming, but an arrow from the ruffian's bow pierced his heart just as he was reaching the shore. 
So this sets up Donald McMurdoch on a murderous chain as he preempts anyone who might want revenge for this initial murder and then goes out and murders them first. Oh, it's like Macbeth, only there's no kingship involved. Oh, he's doing it for land. Mm, okay. Now, a few of the tales tell us that he lived in a shilling with no windows or doors and only entered through a hole in the roof, which could be hinting at the blowhole of Smoo Cave. Okay. And then in folklore, this seems to transform into him murdering people by throwing them into Smoo Cave through the big blowhole. Oh, yes. This is the legend that I heard, that he lured travellers close to the blowhole. Then, just as they were at the edge, he would toss them into the darkness of Smoo Cave, plummeting to their deaths. But the real question was why? Why was Donald chucking bodies left, right and centre into Smoo Cave, Annie? Look at this inscription. True to his master in wealth and woe. He wasn't just murdering nephews for the fun of it. He had a lord he was paying with bodies. Perhaps there was a dragon living in Smoo Cave that he needed to keep fed. Well, there's ambiguity about who his master may have been. (laughs) Not a big dragon? (laughs) (laughs) So... A lot of people read this as his master being the devil Mm. because these were superstitious times when people like McMurdoch went about selling their souls to the devil and so become in the devil's service. Mm -hmm. But back in the archives, what surprised me is that I came across a statistical account of Scotland published in 1793 that tells of a similar story of Donald, this time killing two of his relatives hiding on a loch island in the name of Mackay, whose land went over to the Rays. So there certainly could have been a ruthless archer named Donald, frightening the folks of Sutherland so that Mackay would give him some land. Mm, If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. However, I'm calling the mass murders in Smoo Cave a rural legend, (sighs) mostly because I don't think that cave chucking is a good or efficient way to kill someone. Have you actually looked? into the blowhole because it's quite near the edge of the road if you're visiting Smoo Cave there's a little path that you can walk down and look in I don't know I feel like that's a fairly fatal fall I'm definitely not looking in the blowhole when you revenge Jenny <laughs> look at that hole gentle push <laughs> got your land <laughs> got your gym in my bedroom <laughs> yeah got my gym <laughs> so it's interesting that one of the main myths about Smoo Cave isn't really about Smoo Cave at all ruthless Donald existed yes but the legends around him have been built around the cave and the devious ways that it could be woven into this legend. And it makes me wonder why this happened. I think that maybe the cave was such a dominant and dramatic feature of the landscape that when people think about gruesome murders and devilish deeds, they want a location that fits the bill. And Spoo Cave is spectacularly dramatic. It's a theatre of nature. If there's anywhere that a collective memory could implant a legend, it's Smoo Cave. Aye, and I think that the more awe and danger that a feature of the landscape can inspire, the more likely we are to see folklore and history merge into these incredible stories that create extreme villains. Mm. And unfortunately, I think we've got more of these extreme villains coming up. Dun dun da. Now, Jenny, earlier you said that the big hole in the roof of the second cave was because of geology. 
But I've read some conflicting accounts of this. Yes, there are definitely a fair few explanations of this wonder of nature, but none more exciting than that of the tale of another Donald, Donald of Ray. And his dog. Ah, yes, his dog too. Donald was also known as the Wizard of Ray. He had travelled widely and spent some time in Italy. And while there, he happened to meet none other than the devil himself. Now, Donald was intrigued and ended up becoming a student of the devil. From his dark master, he learned the secrets of alchemy, philosophy, Venetian disguises, and of course, carnal pursuits. (laughs) But there is a price to knowledge. And soon came the time when Donald's debt was to be paid. For he had learned much and become very powerful himself. So powerful that he believed he would be able to evade the devil. So what was the price? A mid-range cave on the market? Not quite, Annie. The devil was after his soul. Ah, this is a classic devil move. It is, yes. But old wizard fingers Donald Ray figured he could outsmart his teacher and gave him his shadow instead. And in the time he bought himself, he fled. Donald headed for the most remote and hidden place that he knew, Smoo Cave. After a long journey, with only his dog for company, he finally reached the cave one cold morning, just before daybreak. Excited to explore this new place, the dog ran ahead of the wizard deep into the second cavern. Alas, a few seconds later, he returned terrified and smouldering, having had all the hair burnt off him. Oh no! Oh no, indeed! For the devil was not easily tricked, Annie, and he and three of his best witches were waiting in the cavern for his old wizarding student, ready to take his payment and strip Donald of his soul. But, just as Donald swallowed his fear and went in to meet his great foe, a cockerel cock-a-doodle-dood, signifying daybreak, and the devil and the witches knew that their time on earth was up and swiftly exited the cave by blasting through the ceiling, leaving a wonderful water feature and skylight behind. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make sense, because surely if it's the devil, he'll be going down, not up. I don't write the myths, Annie, but yes, that does pick a big hole in it. (laughs) (laughs) So our old wizard of Ray did outsmart the devil. He knew that the devil would probably be waiting for him in the cave, Mm. but he also knew that if he kept him waiting just long enough, the devil would have no choice but to leave him alone. It's just a shame that he had to sacrifice his dog to do this. The dog didn't die, it just got singed. But I do think it was either that or just bad planning on the devil's side. I can see him being a bit of a scatterbrain sometimes. So it looks like our wizard really came out on top of this kerfuffle. Mm. I found some evidence that after all of this happened, the wizard of Ray continued to live up in Durness, much to the dismay of locals. Donald himself was not at all what one might have desired. The natives of Ray used to point to a ring down by the shore to which he fixed his victims at ebb tide so that the flowing tide might drown them. They say, too, that he always retained the power of being able to visit Italy at night and return to Scotland near dawn, often covered with snow or frost, proving that he had journeyed across the snowy Alps and no just been digging around in the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) And the locals would complain that the wizard would dance with fairies. I'd be jealous, too. I'd be like, yo, let us come dance with your fairies, man. Well, they were even more jealous when they saw that he had the fairies thrashing his corn for him. 
They could hear the fairies hide at work in the barn. But the strangest tale I found of Donald was an account by folklorist Alistair MacGregor. Now this happened long after the Wizard of Ray had banished the devil from Smoo Cave. He decided one day to finally revisit his old haunt and see what the cave was really about. He went deep into the cave, deeper than anyone had ever gone before. On and on he pushed, far into the dark interior, heedless of that voice that warned him to retreat. At length he came upon a cask. In this cask he proceeded to bore a hole with his knife, and, as the hole was completed, out through it popped a wee man, about an inch and a half high. This surprised him greatly. But when the wee figure began to assume giant proportions, surprise gave way to fear. Did you ever behold a greater wonder, Donald? asked the expanding figure. Never in all my puff, replied the wizard. But it would be a greater wonder still if you could maybe just become a wee man again. Thereat, the creature commenced to contract to his original size. He jumped in the cask and, still contracting, slipped back into the hole. The wizard quickly plugged the hole and then just sort of backed up out of the cave and was like, well, that was weird, so I'll not go back in there again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor little casket man. At least someone's living in your cave, though, Jenny. I, I do think this is my favourite story that we've maybe ever uncovered. Can you just imagine the excitement of this wee man in the box finally set free after centuries of confinement, finally able to grow and fulfil his quest to conquer the world. And then some dude in a wizard hat is just like, eh, gotta not do that. (laughs) And he's just like, well, he does have a wizard hat on, so better do what he says. Back down I go. (laughs) Get rid of your demons at Smoo Cave. Mm. Seemed very simple as well. Definitely seems like the Wizard of Ray had a knack for banishing demons very easily, you know? Cockroll did one and then he just asked the other one to not please be that big. (laughs) Durness and Smoo Cave, to me, represent the most remote place on the mainland. When I first visited the cave, it was so far from my city home in a land and landscape I didn't even know existed in Scotland. It captivated me and changed how I thought about Scotland as my home country. Whole new doors and perspectives to life in Scotland were open for me there. Daily life in this tiny remote village, looking out into the North Sea and facing Greenland, the stars from my favourite camp spot, the northern lights hinting in the horizon, this deep hollow in the land, evidence of thousands of years of wind and rain and the persistence of the elements, and all of this multiplies, making it a magical place. And in exploring the legends and stories that we have found, kind of just shows that it's not just me that thinks this. The area and the cave itself completely rewired my idea of being Scottish, and Scotland itself. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I agree, but I've got a little bit of a different perspective. I don't really think of Smoo Cave as being remote. When I first visited, it was more like a welcome home than a far away lost terrain. Mm. Especially because when I first moved back to Scotland, I did live in Sutherland for a while. So my centre is really based on these jagged coasts. 
However, absolutely every wee crevice of the Highlands has its own quite unique and distinct identity, especially along the North Coast, where we see this tug between the Norse and Gaelic identities grounding communities in a very old culture and heritage. It really surprised me how formative the Viking influence was on the North Coast when we consider how long ago the Vikings left the mainland of Scotland. But through these kind of legends, we've really seen that they are comparable completely around the coast of Scotland. And now I'll be absolutely shocked if we manage to find a cave in Scotland that doesn't have an aristocratic wizard in it who has spent some time in Italy. Maybe I should go to Italy. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because since my first trip up to Smoo Cave, the North Coast 500 drive has become a massive tourist hit for people from Scotland and all around the world. And while I love that people are coming and experiencing the absolute magnificence of the Scottish Highlands, it has changed the atmosphere of the area quite a bit. The last time I visited, it was pretty busy with people exploring the cave and the surrounding landscape, which there's nothing wrong with. I love seeing so many people experiencing Scotland. But the downside was that there was just so much litter visible, from the occasional bottle chucked over the grassy verges on the stairs down, to chocolate bar wrappers floating in the pools in the caves. I don't know, something about it just made me really sad. So if you are lucky enough to be doing the North Coast 500, and you are going to visit the cave or any other of the sites on the road, why not take a wee bag with you and try to pick up as much litter as you can, or even just scoop down and pick up one or two bottles. It's brilliant to visit these places and have a wonderful, memorable trip, but the real way you can show your appreciation of the land is by making it a better place, so that even more people can enjoy the area for its natural beauty. I agree. I think it feels really good to be taking an active responsibility in keeping the environment beautiful. And if we all just do a little bit, then we can make a massive difference. Mm -hmm. But for now, thank you so much for listening to Stories of Scotland. If you enjoy our little podcast, it really helps us if you give us a wee review because it makes us easier to find for other people. And I love reading them. Slangeva. Slangeva. Wow, Jenny, you really like this cave and the chocolate shop nearby. (laughs) Honey, it's like no cave you've ever seen before. It's nothing you can compare to your neighbourhood grotto. What? I'm just, honey, I'm just trying to find the words to describe this cave without being disrespectful. Like, damn girl, that is a sexy cave. (laughs)